0: I'm Patrick, and uh, some things I want to just kind of mention. So, full disclosure, this is my third time ever being up on stage as a Christian. So, I know a lot of times we go to church and we think about church as like a production. Um, as I've got saved and been a part of church, I think of it more as like a family. Um, and so, if we can just enter into the next 30 minutes, not like thinking of this as a production and here's this polished speaker that's going to talk, but just like sitting in a living room with really bad chairs and let's just be comfortable with each other and, uh, and I'll try to just be as, uh, as casual as I can be and not be like stuck on the formalities. Um, another thing I want you to know uh, about me is uh, this is really uncomfortable um, and if you want to go ahead and throw the picture up, you'll understand why. So that thing right there is me when I was like 10 years old. And I wish my mother was here because I would say, hey, Mom, like the short shorts (laughs) went out in like the 70s. So when you grow up and you kind of look like that, you tend to be a little self-conscious. And uh, wow. It's like even the look on my face looks terrible. Um, But I did win a trophy. and. so anyways, uh, that's where I kind of started. And now to be in a position where everybody's like, you know, the spotlight's on, and, and you're standing in front of people trying to lead people is a weird juxtaposition um, in life. And today when we go through Elijah, Elijah experiences something very similar to this, um, with the spotlight on him, and everybody's looking at him, and there's hundreds of people around, and it's just him like standing here. And, uh, and so one of the things we try to do here at this church is to help guide people through life. And, on, and that means exposing ourselves and opening ourselves up and just talking about the things that we're uncomfortable with and, and talking about this so we can help somebody else that may be nervous as all get out to stand in somebody in front of people and talk about Jesus. So my hope today is that over the next 30 minutes, maybe we can learn something together and experience something together and to really be able to walk out of here and say, if I ever need anything, I know that guy right there will walk me through it and I don't have to feel awkward and nervous about being open about being a Christian in this world. And so, uh, can't get any more awkward than that. So, um, so. Uh, we, thank you. Thank you for moving on to that. I felt like that was kind of a distraction there for a little bit. Um, so that's a little bit about me. You've seen me in my short shorts, so now I can be comfortable and relaxed. And, and I've got my family down here that's supporting me. Um, so I come from like a line of educators, and my family always ask why. And so I, I tend to have conversations with Mark, and I'm like, why do we come here on Sundays? Like, legitimately. Like, why do we come on Sundays? Why is it Sunday morning? What do we do here? You know, why do we read the Bible over and over again? I just, I just want to know. Like, why do we do these things? So, again, today I want to ask why a lot. And asking why is kind of an uncomfortable question for most of us because it engages a part of your brain where you actually have to think. It's like if I ask you what the square root of 41 is, it feels uncomfortable. You're like, do I really have to give an answer? Because your brain has to invest energy in coming up with that answer. And I think one of the things not growing up in church is you sit in those seats and everything, you just start sinking in. You look at the screen, it's like watching TV and you begin to fight checking out, right? And I need you guys to walk with me and I'm gonna ask why a bunch. I'm gonna pause and it'll be uncomfortable. but I want you to process it and think, why is this? Because if we can walk out of here with a better understanding of the whys, then we'll have a better idea on the hows and how we're going to do things. So um, one of the things I noticed prepping for this is uh, when you know you're going to be on stage and you know you're going to have to talk through something, you become a lot more self-aware, right? So I'm I'm very self-aware of how I was uh, walking in my faith leading up to this message and, you know, Mark's asking me, hey, are you good? Is everything okay? You feel comfortable? And and I was just like, you know, one of the craziest things about this experience is I become acutely aware of my sin, because I knew my sin would potentially limit my effectiveness standing in front of you and trying to deliver God's word. And it's funny, you know, you, you don't really think about it. You get kind of comfortable in your own skin and in your sin, and when you had these moments where everybody's going to look at you you start a wonderful thing happens you you start realizing how inadequate you are to do this and then that's when god steps in and he shows and demonstrates his power and he's able to help you and somebody that you know looked like me in a picture that was horribly insecure can have the strength to stand up, not on my own, but in God's power, and I want that to be an encouragement to you. Because one of the things we're going to talk about is Elijah's willingness to step into the spotlight and say, "Look at me," because God's behind me, and then lead and guide people through. So, um, so that was one of the re- one of the things I wanted to talk about. Why we do this, and uh, and the other thing is uh, we want to grow. As a Christian, we don't want to be content. And there's this wonderful quote in my devotion that I ran across. Uh, it's uh, E. Stanley Jones, and we'll we'll throw it up on the screen. It's all growth in Christian living is a growth in love. Now, a lot of us read for the intellect. We study so we look like we're prepared. And there's all these like extra things. But all growth as a Christian, at its core, is a growth in love. And this is why we come here Sundays, because I hope when you walk out, you're like, I'm a little bit stronger in my faith. I'm a little bit stronger because the result of that is you're going to be able to walk out in a community and be able to demonstrate what this world needs so bad, and it's just love. Just God is love. So when we walk out, we want to be a little bit closer to that. And another reason why I want to take some time and ask the question like, why are we going to go and read a Bible verse again? And for what we're going to read is uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So just show a hand. Do you all know the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Just real quick, numb no audience. So like everybody. Okay, so why are we going to do it again? Like you've already read the story. Why would we talk about it again? Like, right, Elijah calls down, he builds an altar, fire comes down, God wins, Baal loses. What else is there, right? Well, James, who is the brother of Jesus, warns us in a very life application type of a thing, reminds us, and then we'll throw the verse up, it's in uh, James, and it's uh, the first chapter, in 23 and 24, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. And then for when he looks at himself and he goes away, he forgets what he was like. And this is the scary thing about doing this day, week in and week out, week in and week out. We we look, we hear, but we don't go do. And so because we don't go do a lot of times, we forget it. So we've probably all read Elijah and the Prophets of Baal, but what was, the, what was the life application of that verse? What did you learn about that story that you could actually go do something about it, about what you heard? And sometimes we just focus on the story, and then at the end of the day, it's like, well, okay, great, I know what Elijah did, but if you can't go do something after this service, then you will forget it. And... Like case in point, show of hands, does anybody remember what last week's sermon was? Dave, he's nodding, he's not showing his hand though, but Dave knows, Judy knows, Right knows. All right, two weeks, what was the message? So last week was this messy church, what was the one before that? Messy marriage, and then messy life. Now, here's a kicker. What was Easter service? What did we talk about on Easter? I wonder if Mark remembers. <laughs> Mark, do you remember? We talked about Nicodemus. And we talked about him going to Jesus and learning what it was to be born again. And, you know, here's the full disclosure. I had to go back and look at it. I had to go back and remind myself. And I wonder how many times on Sundays we do this and then we walk out, and it never sticks. I mean, the fact that, like, could we did we all remember it was about Nicodemus on Easter? That's the celebration of all celebrations in Christmas, or I mean, for Christians. And did we did we remember what we talked about that day? And I would say probably a lot of us forgot it was about Nicodemus because I did, and I am locked in on Sunday mornings. Um, so I understand again my frailty, my my opportunity to get better is that I need to go back and listen to podcasts. And that's one of the coolest things about this church. Susan and I came from a church that had three to four times as many people, and we didn't have anybody with the knowledge or the understanding how to put this together. We also didn't have anybody that could play drums. We didn't have, we didn't have anybody that could play the guitar. In this little group, God has blessed it so much to give us the understanding and the know-how to really do this, and you all should feel proud and emboldened, if that's a word, to go out and be proud of this little thing called access. The fact that we post podcasts and you can go back and you can listen to every sermon. And, I, and I'll tell you, because there are lines when I was listening to Mark that I promise you I did not hear. Like, I did not hear him say. And one of them that hit me really hard was, is he was talking about marriage. And he was talking about, what if Jesus just said, you know what? enough's enough. I'm not doing the dishes tonight. I'm out. Five weeks in a row I've done the dishes. I'm out. What if he took that mentality that we sometimes take in marriage that, look, I've done my good deed. I've done it five weeks in a row. It's your turn. And that hit me and I didn't hear it the first time. And so I didn't grow. I didn't walk into all the things that I was going to walk in with Suze and the willingness to check out. And so, I've worked all day, I'm tired, or my kids would be like, it's, I already did the dishes last night, it's not my turn tonight. And is that what God teaches? Is that what the example Jesus gave us? No. No, it shouldn't matter whose turn it is. It's, Jesus never gave up on us. It was always other people first. And so, that's one of the reasons we go through this again. We go because we forget and there's one last thing I want to hit on before we like, move forward and do, you know, go look at Elijah and just read through it and see you know, what we find. And there's this, I got introduced to this idea just a couple of days ago. A pastor friend of mine was calling me um, because one of our dear friends, who was a Christian and very outspoken, had a tremendous fall. And he, he works with me, and he was basically fired on the spot because of uh, questionable moral decisions. And so it was down in Evansville, and my buddy called me and said, did you hear about John? And I was like, no, what happened? He's like, they, they fired him today because he was falsifying expense records. And this was a guy, big Christian, wears it on his sleeve, got tats all down his arm about, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. I was like, wow. And then I kind of wondered, like, is he growing day in doubt? day out? So um, Marty introduced me to this idea of Logos and Rhema, so warning We are getting ready to talk about Greek. But what's a sermon if you can't do a little Greek uh, word studies? So, both of these words are are, uh, are terms, Greek terms for the word, word. And logos is what you think of when you hear, in the beginning, was the, the word, and the word was God. So, not only is this referring to the total inspired word of God, it's also talking about Jesus, who is the living word. So Logos is the printed page. This is what we read, and we should feel extraordinarily blessed that we have this um, and that we live in a country that will allow us to have this. Um, but then there's this other word that's used called rhema, and it's a spoken word. And this is when God speaks a word to you. And so it's a spoken word, a verse or per- portion of scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention with application to a current situation or need for direction. That is why we're talking about Elijah again. Because we know the story, but if we invite God to share insight, we could read it and he could point something out to us. Just like today. We can go in. You can listen to me, and we can read the words on the screen. But we're asking God to, like, give us insight. So this is the Holy Spirit. This is, um, He calls out a word or two or reminds you of something, and this is why we do this. So, again, kind of prepping for this. Uh, <laughs> Pop culture, warning, pop culture reference coming. Uh, there is this movie called White Men Cannot Jump, or Can't Jump, right? And it's got Wesley Snipes, and trust me, there's no video of this, because the language in it's atrocious. Um, but it's Wesley Snipes, and it's Woody Harrelson, and they're in a car, and they're driving, and Woody's kind of like the dorky white guy that can really play basketball. Is it, by the way, is anybody, has anybody seen this movie? Just... So the reference isn't completely lost. So like white guy can play basketball, can't jump, and uh, Wesley Snipes, uh, African-American black guy can play basketball, and Woody decides he's going to put Jimi Hendrix in the CD player or in the cassette player. Woody's like, "Yeah, and he's jamming, and Wesley's looking at him. And Woody's like, "What? What?" And he's like, "I like listening to Jimmy." And, and uh, Wesley's like, "You can't hear Jimmy. You just listen to him." And uh, and what he's trying to get at, and Woody, he's like, what do you mean? No, I'm I'm hearing him. I'm hearing him. He's like, "No, no, 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 you only listen to Jimmy. I hear him. Like he had a connection with Jimmy that Woody didn't. And this is why you read in the Bible, spiritual things are discerned by spiritual people. There is not just the reading of the logos, the reading of the word. It is the the effect of the Spirit to bring insight into what we read. And it's an important distinction, and it's why we come here every Sunday, to seek insight. Not so that I bring a new story to the Bible to you. For some, that's applicable. But for a lot of us, like, I got that. I've already read that story. So we come, and we ask for insight. So I wanted to set the table there so we can read into Elijah. And don't just read the words on the page, but engage your mind and say, provide some insight on what we're about to read and what can I take from this so I can grow in love, right? Because if I don't do anything after this service, I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to be no better. And the world is going to be no better. And we're still going to have all the problems. God called us to change the world, right? So we want to engage. So before we dive, dive in, let me, let me throw up what the mission of our church is. So our mission as Access is to guide people to experience life in Christ, to guide people to experience life in Christ, right? It's very simple, and we made it that way for a reason. So I want to read, and I'm not going to throw it up on the screen, but kind of in preparation for this, in Acts 8, there's a guy named Philip, and then there's a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. Anybody remember this story? There's an Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip comes. And I just want to read it and leave that right there on the screen. So, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So, probably not thinking there's going to be anybody there. But, as he rose and went, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official from uh, a city I can't pronounce very well, uh, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in a chariot, which is kind of like an old school car. And that's what got me thinking of Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson because they're driving in a car. And Woody is going to be the Ethiopian and Wesley Snipes is going to... Don't strike me down. Wesley's going to be Philip. All right. So he's seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet of Isaiah. And the Spirit said to said to Philip, spoken, said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran over and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? Eunuch answered, How can I catch this unless someone guides me? How can someone who is not spiritual, who doesn't hasn't surrendered everything to Jesus? How can they know what they're going to read in the Bible unless there's somebody there to guide them? And what's our mission? It's to guide people, right? So you you have to get up out of where you're at, walk over, meet with them, and then guide them. That's the part, right? So he guides them. And then what happens? So he obeyed, and he says, unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip. Philip didn't have to press his way in. He invited him. He says, now that the passage of Scripture was reading, goes like this. And he reads a section of Isaiah that talks about Jesus. And then catching up in verse 34, it says, And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? Does he say it about himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began with the Scripture and told him all the good news of Jesus. And when he did it, the Ethiopian saw some water and said, I want to be baptized. And there was life change. So... He guided him, and then something miraculous happened, right? But Philip had to be willing to step into the spotlight and read through it. So with that kind of in mind, that this is where we want to end up, we always always starting in with our mission, and this is where we want to go. All right, so are you ready to dive in to some scripture? It's like 20 verses long, right, if you all remember this, because it's Old Testament and it repeats itself. So I'm going to kind of chunk it out for us, and we'll kind of go through there. Um, About 1 Kings. Y'all ready? I'm going to stop and ask why. So Dave's got his thinking cap on. Jake, you're paying attention. Thank you for not falling asleep. All right. Okay. So you're ready? 1 Kings 18. This is verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long are you going to go limping between two different opinions? Like how long are you just going to ride the fence here? Like, either you are or you are not. Like, why do you keep straddling the fence? And the immediate verse that comes to my mind is in Revelations when God tells it to Revelations 3.16, which should be easier to remember. Everybody remembers John 3.16. Revelation 3.16 says, you know, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, Because you just sit there and straddle the fence and you're not convicted over anything? I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth, right? So that's our warning. And Elijah, a man of God, is trying to tell him the same thing. Like, how long are you gonna limp between this? And then this is a life application. You can take this to the bank and you can think about this when you walk out. Listen to how he approaches an unbeliever. He said, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The openness, the willingness to say, look, if I am wrong, absolutely keep going. How lacking is that in today's culture? People already come to the table with a predetermined mindset. There's nothing you can do to change me. And just think of the openness Elijah shows that says, look, man, if I am wrong, then, then I'll, we'll follow Baal. And think about your interactions with other people. I mean, husbands and wives, do, do you talk to each other this way? Are you willing to go with whatever path truth leads you? And this brings us to our, our first important point, which is, what is it about Christianity that we can hold on to and we can build comfortable, like, like sitting in the pocket of Christianity and being completely cool with? So what is Christianity. Like, what is it about? It's about God's love. Well, there's a wonderful chapter in the Bible about love. Does anybody know what it is? 1 Corinthians 13, and it starts at 4 if we want to put it up. So, substitute your name for love. So read through it and substitute your name. Patrick is patient and kind. Patrick does not envy or boast. I'm not arrogant. I'm not rude. I don't insist on my own way. I'm, I'm not irritable or resentful. I don't rejoice when things go wrong. I rejoice when truth comes about. I will bear all things. I will believe all things. I will hope in all things. And, all, and this, you know, endures all things. This is Christianity. So, I ask you if this is our message, if God is love, do you ever get like awkward about mentioning Jesus' name or is it just me in public? Like, do you cower at the thought of just self identifying, I'm a Christian? And then think about what, it, what is it about that that makes you reserve that you don't want to be bold and say Christianity? Does anybody just Again, show of hands, because we're a family. Does anybody else feel that? Like that awkwardness not to just go out and say Jesus to somebody? Or is it just me? Right? So why are we ashamed of that? Like, I really struggled with that this week, because I found myself having opportunities to say, hey, do you know Jesus? And man, it felt so awkward to say that. But why? What do we stand for? Elijah was completely cool and comfortable standing up in front of everybody and saying, look, if Baal of Baal, if God of God, because he knew if they would just take the time to look, they would see the truth of Christianity. And and it's an important place for us to be because at the end of the day, we got to know Christianity is the truth. And it's okay if if people identify us as a Christian right? Okay, so that's kind of like point one. It's like, we stand for gentleness, reconciliation, forgiveness. Mainstream media wants to just slur us and say we're just like, you know, anti-homosexual or we're hypocrites or we're this. And, and, and I, no, that's not our identity. Our identity is in forgiveness and love and gentleness and kindness. And There's a verse that I teach my kids. It's in a uh, Ephesians 4, two. it's be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bear with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But yet I find myself in public, like I don't know, like ashamed to say I'm a Christian for some reason. Like there should be no reason. And I want you guys to walk out and say, I'm a Christian. And look, if Christianity is completely wrong, okay, show me. Show me the error of my ways. And I think if you open up a conversation like that, people will say, okay, here's what I think, and then you can, then you can share with them. Well, here's what I know about Christianity. It's a, Christianity of, or it's a belief of love, and, and it's a belief of invitation. We invite God in. God doesn't just force himself on us. It's incredibly empowering to know that what you represent is that. So let's make that point one. You know, why Christianity? Okay, so we kind of move through, and we get to verse 22, and here's the other thing. So then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left as a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And then skipping to verse 24, and you all call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of my God, and the God who answers by fire, he's God. And people said, hey, that's pretty good, well-spoken. Like, I get it. Let's just put it to the test. Let's put Christianity to the test. And, and I like where Elijah goes, even though he's actually wrong. If you go back and read, God had already told him, like, you're not the only one. Like, don't make it about you. You're not the only one there. He actually takes him down. And he says, look, look over the field there. There's like thousands of people just like you. So the next life application is that when you're standing in the gap, you may be the only one within earshot that's a Christian. There may be 450 people around you, but you're not the only one in this. We're not the only church on Sunday morning trying to, like, show people the love of Christ, right? And you're not the only one that may feel uncomfortable about sharing. There's other people out there. So take heart in that, right? Um, okay, so let me scroll down a little bit because I'm going to read through some of this and not all of it's going to be on the screen. Um, so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bull. I'm going to choose a bull. You're going to put the altar up. Don't put any fire on it. I'm horribly paraphrasing right here. Um, and, and they set the stage, and like the prophets, and then Elijah, and then they start building the altar, right? Everybody knows this part. And so it goes down, and what happens? The prophets of Baal, they start crying, they start jumping around, and... Um, And as they're doing this, this is where I got to just like pause and think, what is Elijah doing? So uh, they say, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, crying aloud. and, uh, And Elijah mocked them. And they cried aloud, and he says, look, Either your God's like laughing about this. Maybe he's using the bathroom. It says maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's on a journey or maybe perhaps he just fell asleep and he needs to be awake. So my question is, is why is Elijah so confident when it's his turn, God's gonna show up? Think about it. And so to speak on this, I've got a special treat for you. So, um, I wanted to bring someone in that knows a little bit about this, and, uh, and I was, I'm going to call him, and i to ask if he can shed some light on this. So just like Elijah, you know, wanted God to show up, I've got somebody, a special thing, I'm going to call him and see if he answers, right? So uh, if you put the picture up, so that's uh, Vice President Mike Pence. So, you know, there we are, obviously no Mike, Emmy's met him, there's... There's Sue's behind him, so I figured I'd just call Mike, ask him to, to, um, to call in. So he's changed his phone number a couple times, so pardon me. Let's see if he answers. Hmm, It's, it's ringing. I guess he doesn't have his voicemail set up yet. So I know him. I know Mike. I know Mike. Ah, he's, he's, uh, he's doing something with Trump. So, is Mike ever going to answer my call? Like, honestly, no. Mike going to No, why? Why is Mike not going to answer Mark? That's me. It's not Photoshopped. I'm right there. That's me and all my ugliness. Why is he not going to answer the phone? He doesn't know me. He's only met me, right? And this is where a lot of us, I think in this world and culture, we've met Jesus, we don't know him. So why was Elijah confident? Because he knows God. He walked with him. He had just resurrected uh, a little child from a widow. He knows God because he walks with him. He talks to him. He invites him in. Look, it's hard to understand who God is. I try to explain it to Emmy and Jake. How do you... They, you know, they ask me, how do you know this is true? Emmy's asked me this. How do you know it's true? The only way I know is because I've prayed, and I've asked God to, like, act in my life so I can see him, and then he does. And it's spooky, and I get chill bumps, and then I know. And here's the one thing that's not on the verse, and like uh, somebody that's only been up here three times, I'm running out of time. Um, my wife's probably like, yep, yeah, I anticipated this. Um, yeah, I know. There is this horribly scary verse in Matthew seven. Now, I don't want to put. I, I didn't put it up. And you all may know it. Jesus is separating sheep from goats. You all heard this story. And what is the most crippling line he gives them at the end when they say, "Lord, Lord, didn't I, didn't I stand up on stage and talk about you? Didn't I prophesy? And didn't I do this and?" And didn't I do all these things? And then what's just the soul-crushing response of Jesus? I, I didn't know you. you. You may have met me. You may have known my name. I know that's Mike Pence. I don't know him. And when you leave today, you need to know God. And to know him, you got you to gotta read his word. You got to... Like, pray and ask him to show up so you're not believing on a fairy tale. I mean, let's not make any mistake about this. Let's be completely transparent. How do you know God's not the tooth fairy? Like, how? Literally, how do you know that? Have you shaken his hand? It's like, no, you, you pray and you invite him in, and then he comes. So what I want to do is throw, throw accesses mission statement back up And I know I'm basically out of time, so we can get the band up. But let me kind of end with this. So if we're going to be a guide, guides are visible. They're comfortable wearing the vest. And they're knowledgeable, right? They're competent. They have an understanding of what they're talking about. You can't guide somebody if you don't know him. And we want to guide people not just to hear but to experience God to walk with him, to to see him move and interact in our life. So when you walk out of here today, you can feel comfortable standing here in a spotlight, as horribly awkward as it may be, and say, I am a messenger of love. I'm a messenger of forgiveness and compassion. And I just want the world to know that. And I will sit here and let everybody else believe something else. And I'm completely open. If, If it's something else, please let me know. But this is what I know. And I've lived it and I've walked it. And if you will come with me, I will help you understand and experience this as well so you can know it. I mean, like, what else could you give somebody that's better than that? Like, let us not be ignorant on the fact that a lot of people struggle with stuff. A lot of people have no idea what to do. And the whole time we have a message and all we want to do as a church is to walk out this door and the first person you see, just like, it's a good day. It's a good day to follow Jesus. And be comfortable identifying with him. Don't be ashamed of it. Um, you know, and you don't have to be a pro. I, I know I'm like not good at this, but it's in my heart. And I want to share it with you so you'll have some comfort in going, it's okay to be awkward. It's okay to be judged because at the end of the day, God's going to look at me. He's going to say, good job, man. Well done. You were faithful. And that's all we want to hear. So let's just take a moment and and let me just pray for you because I know it's hard sometimes to be a Christian. Um, Can I do that? God you've been very good uh, to us you've surrounded us with people that know you and want other people to know you and though we're as small as a mustard seed here at Access you've promised to do great things and God so forgive us when we fail you forgive us when we're shy and we're we're not confident in being a Christian forgive us when we don't even study or look at your word and listen for that rhema, that unspoken, that that utterance where you can bring insight. There are wonderful people here today, God, that want to do more, want to do better, but there's something holding them back. Either they don't want to surrender or maybe they have and they're just in this little shell. Just, God, will you help them understand that you'll be there with them and they're not alone. It's not them only out there. There's thousands and millions of people walking this out with them. God, I love everyone in this room. And I hope that as far as me and my family are concerned, we will serve you and we will serve this body of believers. And so let them be encouraged and confident And the message they proclaim and give them the opportunity to see you move and experience that wonderful feel of watching you come down and rain fire in front of everybody so that all the people as we would have gotten to in the scripture would have said, I believe. I believe because of the power of one man that was comfortable. So God, thank you so much. Forgive me where I failed you. And thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Jesus, it is always in your name that we pray for you. I love you, Jesus. Amen.